0: Listen, if you've got a copy of God's Word, we're going to finish up the book of Galatians, uh, so please turn there. So if you have a, a pew Bible or if you brought your own Bible, uh, I am going to have this, the scripture up here for just a minute on the screen. Uh, but if you want to follow along, that's going to be your best bet. Galatians 6, uh, 11 through 18 is the text for this morning. Um so hopefully you, you brought a copy of God's Word, or you have one in the Pew Bible, or you can just follow along on the screen. Uh, but what we're gonna see today on this text of chapter six, eleven through 18, we've, we've made it through the whole book of Galatians, and I guess here's a challenge I have for you. Hopefully you were reading through it as I was preaching through it. Uh, my challenge now to you would be, now that we're done with it, or today's gonna be the last day of it, I would challenge you to read through the whole book of Galatians. It's only six chapters. Uh, you can do that in a week, should be easy. Even if you did one chapter a day, I think you could go home today and read the whole thing in, in an afternoon. Probably wouldn't take you any more than an hour at, the, at, at most. Um, but I would encourage you to do that because these letters are meant to be read that way. They're, they're really, it's, it, it would be strange to a first century church for them to go verse by verse through this like we do. They would read the whole text all together all at once and, and then they would you know, digest it as, the, as they go. Um, so I would encourage you to do that same thing. But what we're going to see in the text today is that these are Paul's last words to the Galatians. So that, that should have weight to it, I, I hope. Anytime we hear anybody's last words, they have some level of weight, especially when that person is, has, is, has all their mental faculties, right? And so there's some very famous sayings that people have said right before they passed, and those have been permanently etched in America's, uh, you, you know, memory for that. And so as we look at these last words, be aware that these are the last words, as far as we have recorded, that Paul is sending to this church in Galatia, and therefore Paul's last words to us in the book of Galatians for today. Now, In Galatians, we have to remember that this whole book, this whole section of Scripture was written because of a controversy, right? The controversy was the Judaizers trying to influence those who are saved in Christ to then also take on the law. So what they're doing is they're saying, all right, we're going to put these burdens of the Jewish law on your back, uh, even though you're saved by Christ. And that is why Paul is writing this. Now, interestingly enough, you may not know this, almost all of the New Testament, aside from the Gospels, so the letters are written because of some kind of a controversy in the church, all right? Galatians is because of the Judaizers. So as you go through your New Testament reading, you can kind of look for, all right, what's the main theme that the author is writing this book to this church on this time? Because there's one main controversy that they're usually dealing with in the text. That's, that's, that's free for you to, to know that, okay? But in this controversy is the Judaizers adding to the work of Christ. Paul is defending the sufficiency of the work of Christ, And he's warning against distorting, denying, departing from the sufficient work of Christ on the cross. So he ends with a very personal appeal to those people in Galatia, who, by the way, remember as he was traveling, he knows them personally. Some of them he converted personally, not him personally, but the Holy Spirit through his teaching, right? So he loves these people. He knows them. He's seeing their face as he's writing this. And now we get to his last word that he has given to them, okay? So without further ado, I want to read that to you. This is what he says. Now you're going to flip through in the back as I'm reading. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. God, my Father in heaven, we come before you to proclaim your glory. You are worthy of our praise. We praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We praise you for the sufficiency of the cross. We praise you that it is by your grace that we are saved, not by works, so that no one may boast. Lord, we confess that we do not boast in the cross near as much as we ought. Help us to marvel at the gospel new and afresh daily. Let us not be so close to the things of your glory that they become mundane. Let us live for and by your word and your son. Thank you, Lord, for today, for this time together, for your word, for the family of believers that is your church. As we come to this last section in Galatians, we praise you for this book and for the treasures that are within it. Lastly, Lord, we ask that you would send afresh your fire, your spirit, as we look into your word, that you may have your good and perfect will with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So how can the church be sure to have the mercy and the blessing of God. How can we do that? I don't know about you. I want this church. I want want all churches here now again, but I want this church to receive the mercy and the blessings of God. How can the church experience peace and unity among its members? I don't know if you know this. We just went through this weird thing where uh, we couldn't meet together. And a lot of churches had a lot of problems with those things. There's this thing called COVID. You've heard of it. And so it caused all kinds of problems amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. It ought not be. So how can, moving forward, how can we experience peace and unity among church members, this church and other churches? How does Paul instruct us in the closing of this letter to live out the law of Christ? So I don't know if you noticed it. I hope that you did. If you were paying attention, I hope that you did. But he's sum- he summarized his entire book so far with this last hurrah, as he penned it. So how do we do those things? Well, he's going to give us, or I'm going to give you, based on his word, what I would consider the three points, and then some sub-points. Three points about how we do those things. How can we be a church that's blessed by God? How can we be a church that experiences peace and unity? What are we supposed to do to live out this law of Christ? Well, those are all good questions. The first answer to that is we need to walk humbly in grace. He's talked about that throughout And he's going to talk about it here. And as he has talked about it throughout, uh, we have to start with his plea then. So if you're a note taker, uh, these are the notes that you can fill out there. His plea. So walk humbly in grace. His plea is to not be deceived. His plea is to live by grace through faith. His plea is to put all of our hope, all of our trust in Christ and him crucified and not in anything that we can do in our flesh. That's his whole point. That's the controversy of Galatians, right? that it's Christ plus the Jewish things like circumcision, primarily. And he says, there's no other works that are necessary. Now let me give you a quick Cliff Notes version of his plea. I've summarized it for you. Let's let Paul speak for himself. Galatians 1, 6 through 7. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. You see what I said? His plea is, don't be deceived. Don't distort it. It is exactly, t- listen, this, uh, I hope, if you get nothing else out of today's message, I hope that this blesses your heart, what I'm about to say, okay? The gospel that we know and believe for salvation today is the exact same gospel that Paul was preaching to the Galatians. This should trouble you. The same issue that Paul was dealing with, with the Galatians, is the same issue we deal with today. Maybe not circumcision necessarily, but what I mean is Christ plus. Thank you. I'll take, I'll take Jesus for salvation, but then I'm going to continue to seek to earn it on my own. I don't know if you're like me. That's, I battle with that all the time. I'm not good enough. I need to do more. I need to be better. I need to pray more. I need to read more. I need to preach more. I need to teach more. I need to do all these things, right? What am I trying to earn? It's already been given, right? And so you foolish pastor, <laughs> you foolish John. Why are you deserting him who's called into the grace grace, unmerited favor of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel, a gospel of Christ plus whatever other things that I'm doing, right? Not that there is another one, but there are some who would trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Another part of his plea, Galatians 3, 1 through 3. I'm showing you his theme throughout this, right? Oh, foolish Galatians, that kind of hurts. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, by the flesh, or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, that you are now being perfected by the flesh? So this is Paul's plea throughout. He goes on in chapter 4, 11. I am afraid that I have labored over you in vain, is what he's saying. I've told you about Christ. I've told you about the crucifixion. I've told you about the resurrection. I've told you about the road to Damascus. I've I've shared with you the testimony that, that he's been given, right? And he says, and, and I, I'm afraid that you're going to forsake this gospel for a works-based religion and not a Christ-centered relationship. And then... Lastly then, before this section in Galatians where we're in, chapter 6, in chapter 5, he says, for free, this is 5, 1 through 2, if you're a note taker and you want to write down these, these things. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. So what he is saying at the beginning of his letter is the same thing he's saying at the end, now that ought to make sense to us when I said what I said at the beginning. This letter was meant to be read all in one sitting, all to the, the entire congregation, from first to last. We do this weird thing in American uh, you, you know, church where we take it verse by verse. Some churches don't even do that. Some people will uh, just read a verse and then they go off onto whatever tangent like I'm doing right now. And, and so, But what I'm telling you is that Paul is consistent and what he's saying is, it's from grace to grace. That's it. It's all grace. It's no works on ourselves. And so we to walk humbly in grace, and this is Paul's plea. The next thing we see in the text, as we look at the actual scripture for today, of verses 11, we see his passion. Galatians 6, 11, you see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand? Now there's all kinds of reasons that people uh, will posit, people will think that this is the reason. I'm gonna give you just a couple real quickly. These are the two main ones. One is either because he's got bad eyesight. Well, I'll give you a couple, because they're quick. Bad eyesight, he's a tent maker, so his hands are all messed up. Or third, and I think probably the best reason, is is because he wants for them, this is the same thing. I mean, you text, it's all caps, right? (laughs) That's where I'm going with this. Yeah, it's all caps or it's underlined, right? Or it's bold or or whatever it is that we do to let somebody else know that we mean business when we're typing something out, right? Uh, That's what he's doing here. The other thing that you might not understand is, a lot of times, so I know there's this thing coming out that's gonna take everybody's jobs, right? AI is is gonna rule the world soon. It might, I don't know, whatever. But there's a lot of writers that are concerned with it because you can just type something in and the AI spits something out. Well, before there was AI that could write for you, there was dictation. You know what dictation is, where you you talk to somebody and they write the things that you're saying. That's what Paul often did. It was very common during this time period where you would have professional writers who were, had they, good, they had good penmanship. Let's just be honest. There probably wasn't a whole lot of, you know, schools back then that were teaching, you know, cursive and all this. So they were professional writers. Paul and very often other brothers in the faith, that's why they would attach their names sometimes to these letters as they were going, you know, so-and-so sends their greetings and those kind of thing. But Paul was, Paul was giving this to the secretary at this point, and this is the part in the letter where he says, all right, now I need the pen for myself. And now With his own hands, Paul's writing this, and he's making sure there's no question about any of this. So when this letter gets to you, it's not a forgery. That's his point here, too. And so he's in all caps, okay, texting them, and he's saying, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Do you see the passion that he is bringing to them at the end? Because you've got to remember, these are people who he loves, dearly loves. That's how much he loves them. And so in verse 12, he says, you know, these people are just seeking to make a good showing, which is a word that's only found in the New Testament here in verse 12, that good showing. Verse 14, he says, but as for me, I will never boast in anything else. And so I, I, I don't just want you to see the passion in verse 11. Although that's where we can understand that the passion starts, his passion is throughout the whole letter, but we have to understand 11 through 18 is all the things that he's writing with this big, capital, bolded, underlined thing. So anything that's in that is his passion. Galatians 9, his passion came through. As he says, We have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preached to you a gospel contrary to the one received, let him be accursed. He knows who he's talking to in Galatia. He knows he's talking to the Judaizers. And he with passion, with boldness, with zeal is saying, I don't care who these people say they are or what they think that they are or what they think that they know. If they're preaching to you something else, let them be accursed. Let them be damned. Let them go to, that's what he's saying. That's passion. Galatians 2.11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, do you know do you remember who Cephas was? I know it's been a while. Who's Cephas? It's Peter, right? That's Peter. When Peter, one of the apostles, who's walking. With Jesus, who probably, by my interpretation of his actions throughout the rest of the New Testament, probably a pretty bold, outspoken guy. I think that's probably pretty safe to assume. You know, often puts his foot in his mouth. I can relate. But outspoken guy, 2.11. Well, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. That's pretty passionate there. Galatians 2:20 I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me that's pretty passionate I have been crucified with Christ the life I now live I don't even live for myself I live it for Christ He wants them to boast only in the cross that is exactly what he's doing and so He also, in verse 12, he talks about persecution, the persecution that we, that he will receive when we actually live this way. When we pay attention to the plea of Paul and the passion of Paul, and we, by God's grace, emulate that in our own lives, there's going to be persecution. He tells us in verse 12, right there, it is those who want to make a good showing, right? That's uh, get good accolades for them. Again, like I said, it's the only place in the New Testament. Uh, Props for them in the flesh would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be themselves persecuted for the cross of Christ. You see, here's the deal. Uh, I can preach sermons every single week that make you guys feel so good about yourselves. I can do that. But the Bible says I ought to preach the cross. The cross is an offense. Do you know why? The cross, what that means is, on your best day, you're not good enough. That's offensive. It's offensive. The cross says, Really, when we really understand it, the cross says, you, matter of fact, not just being not good enough, that we, I'll include myself in that, I'm not, I'm not exclusionary, okay, right? That we are so bad that the God of the universe had to die for us. That is offensive, especially in today's culture. Next time you watch TV and you see commercials, which I know you don't see anymore because everything's live streaming and you just, there is no, or you can fast forward through it, uh, but when we're, when we're watching TV right now, especially because we're out of the house, uh, we're watching TV and sometimes these commercials will come on. And I told Elisa the other night, I said, Let's, next time commercials come on, I want us to keep a track of how many times the commercials say the word you in them. Keep a tally. Because there's one thing you can understand. This, th- America is all about you, baby. Well, the problem is, according to the cross, you are not good enough. That's offensive. Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ, he says. You see, he receives persecution because he professes the actual gospel. He receives persecution because he finds his glory in the cross. And I don't know if you've been living under a rock or not, but I'm here to tell you this. I don't have any kind of crystal ball. I'm not a prophet that I know of, not the son of a prophet, uh, but persecution's coming. There's a world out there that is not able to deal with this fact of Scripture that there was a holy, righteous judge that's going to judge us one day, and the only way we get reconciliation is through this instrument of death and through the one who died upon it, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The next thing, so, so how does Paul instruct us? in the closing of his letter, to live out this law of Christ. Remember, that's what he was just talking about. Now he takes the pen. So not only, firstly, are we to walk humbly in grace, but secondly, we must, oh, yeah, we must treasure Christ above all else. Treasure Christ above all else. Now, if you have a copy of God's word open, verse 13 through 14, again, says this. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, right? And that's what they were saying. They are saying, hey, circumcision is the sign of this law. And I know it's been a while, but remember what he said, you know, Hagar, the slave, and Abraham, and Isaac, and Ishmael, and the one that keeps the law and that doesn't keep the law, and your bondage and slavery and freedom and all those kind of things that he was talking about all throughout this. And so he says, listen, and again, with passion, with zeal, hey, they want you to do this, but what you need to understand is they're full of hypocrisy. Those who want to do these things, they don't even keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they can boast in your flesh, I got to share something with you that drives me crazy. It used to drive me crazy for the wrong reason, but now I think, it, I, hope, I hope through maturity, it drives me crazy for the right reason. Anytime, you guys, here's some inside baseball for you. Anytime I go to a pastor's conference of any kind, here's a question I get all the time or that we ask each other, and I don't know why. Well, I know why. Hey, so like, how's your church? Or tell me about your church. And you know what they're asking? How many people are at your church? What size church are you? Because here's what we're trying to figure out. Are you in the, are you in the minors or the triple A's or are you in the major leagues? Like, where are you at with all that? So instead, I just stopped answering it the way that people wanted me to. And I say something else. I, you, you know, how's your, or how's, how's your church? And I said, well, by God's grace, we're still there. They can take that however they want. I mean it. I mean it in a good way, you know. Um, Anyway, so that they can boast in your flesh. That's what it is, right? Let's boast in the flesh. How big a church you pastor? You know? Verse 14. But far be it to me to boast and accept in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So we need to treasure Christ above all else. And then the subpoints of that is firstly, find no peace in position. And that's exactly what the Judaizers were doing. They thought, we've got it figured out. We're, we've got our bases covered. We've got Jesus in this hand, and we've got the, the Jewish law in this hand. And so we can get down to get down, baby. If I'm with the Christians, then I've got Jesus and him crucified, absolutely. And when I'm with the Jews, I'm going to obey all the laws. And so, hey, I'm not getting any persecution from anybody except for maybe those, 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 those pagans, right? And who cares about that anyway? Now, we have to find no peace and position. Paul doesn't even do this, right? He, he makes fun about this to them, right? And, and in other letters, too. He says it doesn't matter if it's Paul or Apollos or somebody else. What matters is the gospel. What matters is the grace of Christ. What matters is the spirit of our Lord. He talks about this here. Look, I... If you have reason to boast in your Judaism, I have even more, right? I do all this, I do all that, I was a Benjamite, I was doing all these things, I checked all these boxes, I went to school with Gamaliel, he even says the same thing about Christianity. If you think you're a great Christian, let me tell you about this, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been busted, like all these things, and Paul's like, in all those things, it's stupid, because the only thing I have to boast in is that I'm a wretch saved by grace. So we have to have no peace in our position, he exposes their insecurity. There's a word there, uh, anakezo, which means here, so let me uh, reread and find it in here. Even those who are circumcised, they want to boast, but far be it for me. I don't remember where it is, but the word anakezo means to put pressure on and to constrain them. Paul understands where these guys were. He used to persecute the church. He understands that they're trying to find their position of power, and he exposes their insecurity and their insincerity by that, by that. He also exposes their inconsistency. They're, they're hypocrites. They're boasting in all these things, but they're not keeping the all themselves. Woe to you, brother or sister, if when somebody asks you about your faith, you say, well, yeah, I, I go to church. Church does not save you. I'm glad that you go to church. Do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you know him personally as your Lord and Savior? Are we boasting in the cross, or are we boasting in a church? He exposes their uh, inconsistency. He exposes their inferiority. Remember? I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. This is Galatians 1, 11 through 12. Their inferiority is the law. Christ came to fulfill the law. Christ has now given us a new law. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That is the law. And we're freed from the Jewish, you know, mosaic, covenantal law, because we're under a new covenant. He exposes the inferiority of this. Going back to the yoke of slavery, we just read that. And he says, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So, treasure Christ above all else, regardless of your position, or regardless of your possessions, now, Paul wasn't a rich man, but he was on track to be. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those guys, they, they were well off. They had respect. They had honor. Remember what Jesus said? Don't pick the, don't pick the seat at the highest table, or don't, put the, don't pick the highest seat at the table. Rather, pick the lowest seat, right? These guys expected the highest seat. They expected to be greeted in the streets. They expected to, for people to give them alms and take them out to dinner, and all those kind of things. There were people in Galatia at the time of writing this that had wealth. I mean, there's one uh, famous lady in, in Scripture. I, I say f- famous, uh, but Lydia, who, who was a purple merchant, right? Back then, purple was a, a high price commodity. No, it's still a color today. Somebody said color. It's still a color. <laughs> but, but, but it was an expensive color, right? That's, that's the point. And she was a trader in fine linens and fine things like that. And she did not keep her uh, possessions is the way that she was finding her security in. Jesus said the same thing, right? Oh, to gain the whole world, but full forfeit your soul. And lastly, find no peace in your proficiency. You know, Paul was educated in the law. These Judaizers were educated in the law. 1 Corinthians 1.23 but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. He says in other places hey I've delivered this to you not in some kind of eloquent speech but just straightforward. I think these are really the three places that in America we tend to find our superiority. Either we have some kind of a title or we have some kind of wealth or we have some kind of knowledge and we can't find any peace in any of these things so in these commentaries that i read i want to give you a quote there's two of them if we boast in ourselves and in our ability to save ourselves we shall never boast in the cross and in the inability I'm sorry, let me start over. If we boast in ourselves and in our ability to save ourselves, we shall never boast in the cross and in the ability of Christ's crucified to save us. We have to choose. Only if we have humbled ourselves as hell-deserving sinners shall we give up boasting of ourselves, fly to the cross for salvation, and spend the rest of our days glorying in that cross. Another commentary says this. Can you look at your idols, money, success, human praise, power, peer approval, wanting attention, ungodly romance, and say, I would not give a fig for you? See your idols for what they are pathetic crucified, dying things. They are not attractive to the person who sees them from what they are and sees Jesus for all he is. This is what Paul is talking about here. I have been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to to me. This is such a strong symbol because these people would know exactly what it looks like to be crucified. And so when Paul is saying the world has been crucified to me, that's saying that's disgusting and that's gross and it's, it's starting to putrefy and it, all of those things. Do we feel that way about the things we sometimes glory in? I think we could all work on that. So the last of the three. So how does Paul instruct us? in closing his letter about the law of Christ. Firstly, to walk humbly in grace. Secondly, we must trust, uh, treasure Christ above all else. And thirdly, we need to value spiritual transformation, not external ritual. So if you're a note taker, those are your blanks. And then the first, the, the three points in closing are this. The first thing he wants for us is to have circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh, Galatians 6.15, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Brother or sister, I, so I want to ask you this question. Don't, don't answer, but this is for you to ponder upon yourselves. Can you in clear conscience say, yes, I have had circumcision of the heart? Have I, have I been reborn as a new creation? Because I, I've got to tell you, the saddest the saddest thing I hope that you will never experience would be on the day that you stand before your maker. And you say, like they did in Matthew, look, look at all these things. Like I, I faithfully served in the choir, and I gave regularly, and and it was even more than ten percent, if I'm if I'm honest, right? And then and I I volunteered with different things, and I did kids ministry, and then when I was older, I I did I did you, you know visitation, and I, I did uh, adult ministry, and I, I even taught some, and and look at all the stuff I did for you. And then in that day, if that's what you're basing it on, he's going to say, well. That, that's great, but I never knew you. And, and if I'm totally honest with you, that's, that's, that's what saved, that thought of coming before God is what saved my soul. Because I was basing my salvation on, well, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm not getting locked up and I'm not doing all those things, but, but then as, as I saw myself through the perfect word of God, I realized I was a wretch, an absolute wretch, and I deserved hell. And then by God's grace, I received, and I hope that you have circumcision of the heart where I was born again into a new creation. We have to value spiritual transformation above external The second thing, then, is that we must walk in accordance to this rule. Galatians 6, 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, what's the rule? The rule is by grace you are saved. That's the rule. By the way, this word for rule in the Greek is this word um, canon. Have you heard that word before? Canon of scripture. What canon means, it's spelled a little different. They, They don't have C's, they have K's. In the Greek, but this canon means a measuring rod. It's where we get canon of Scripture. It's the measuring of Scripture. Does it it add up to God's inspired word? That's what makes a book canonical, okay? He says, walk according to this canon, walk according to this measuring rod, walk according to this standard. What's the standard? By grace alone for all who walk by this standard, by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. And then he says, and upon the Israel of God. Who's the Israel of God? Well, that's everyone who has been grafted in to the family of Christ. Just because a person is a natural born descendant of Abraham does not make him an Israelite. Lastly, second to lastly actually we are to bear the marks of Christ galatians 6:17 from now on let no one cause me trouble he's basically saying look galatians knock it off in essence what he's saying is the proof's in the pudding i mean what what more can i give you i've i've came to you you've seen my life you in, Remember in the text of of, of what we're talking about here, he even said, when I came to you, I was a burden to you because of what was going on with me, sickliness or whatever. You served me. You've lived with me. You've seen me in the good, the bad, the ugly, all those things. You know the affections that I have for you. You know the gospel that I've preached to you. You've seen my life while I've been away. They heard about him being almost stoned to death in Lystra, which was a a sister city because they keep up with each other then, right? So they must have known about this. He says, look... From now on, just let nobody call me trouble. I bear in the body my, the marks of Jesus. This word, you probably have heard it too. It's called stigmata. I'm sure you've heard of that on movies or TV shows or just in general pop culture or something like this. What that word means in the Greek is to receive a tattoo or a brand. And we would often do this to slaves to make sure that they know who they belong to or whatever, right? So what he's saying is, is let no one else cause me trouble because I have reserved in myself the marks of of belonging to Christ. I have the scars to prove it. I have the tattoo to prove it. I have the brand to prove it. Not only by just my life, again, I've been shit-wrecked. I've been, you know, beaten up and, and busted and stoned and all those kind of things. And so what he's saying is here's the suffering that I received did not disqualify me. It actually shows you that I am for real. Christians, when we meet adversity in the world, or in employment, or in school, or with other family members, are you receiving those marks as badges of honor, or are you recoiling in horror, wishing that it would all stop? Because I want to ask you to change your mind on those things. These marks are what should ensure that you are actually saved. You can look back at persecution and say, well, I must be saved. I must be saved, because otherwise that wouldn't happen to me. That is because the world hates Christ, and so therefore it is against me. And so like Paul, we can wear these marks as badges of honor and say, listen, who are you to question my salvation? I've got all of this persecution that I've received, and I literally have scars on my body showing that I am living for Christ. And so who are you, O Judaizers? And so lastly, so how does Paul instruct us in the closing of this letter to live this law for Christ. How does he answer these Judaizers? And anyone else that suggests Jesus wasn't enough? Well, he answers it the same way he started. From grace to grace. Six, I'm sorry, Galatians one three. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians six eighteen, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, let us boast in the cross of Christ and gladly bear the marks which for his sake we might receive. Help us to walk in accordance of this rule and multiply unto us your mercy and your peace. God, crucify the world unto us. Grant us the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in our spirits. Help us, we pray, to walk humbly in this grace, to treasure Christ above all else, and for us to value spiritual transformation over external ritual or change. We ask that you would have our, your way with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now.